This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I'm so often asked, how come there aren't more women on the radio? And unlike so many of the questions that I am asked, that is one question that I don't have a good answer for. There are so many talented female broadcasters and a lot of other female uh, storytellers, writers, and specialists in their chosen field that just don't seem to be uh, having a, an opportunity to be on the radio on a regular basis. So I thought it might be fun for the next hour to uh, highlight a couple of women who I really have an enormous amount of respect for, who are intelligent, opinionated, sharp, and uh, not to mention quite, you know, attractive, and who know a thing or two about almost everything. And one of them has also had a pretty remarkable career as a radio talk show hostess in her own right, not only as uh, an advice radio talk show host, but when she was a radio talk show host back on WABC 40 years ago in New York, she was the very first uh, show in its time slot on WABC ever to be number one. Very pleased to welcome clinical psychologist author and certified sex therapist, you name it, Dr. Oh. Judy Kuriansky. Hello, oh, Dr. Judy. Oh, my God, what an intro. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. You look great. Thank you, and you do too. You All sunburned from <laughs> taking your kid outdoors. Really, with like, it looks like you had your hair dyed with that little oh, white I, strip I, there. Trust me, if I have it dyed, there, there will be no gray streak. It will look, it will look, uh, it will look less gray, great. not more. It's great to see you. Hey, you yeah. had a very Actually, interesting day uh, today, I last did. night, uh, whatever. I don't know if it's the, today or earlier, yesterday. Earlier, earlier. I, I was at the New York Athletic Club. So everybody. With the Liberty Club. Everybody in the world is talking about this Hunter Biden investigation and the role that James Comer, yes. the House Oversight Committee is, is chairman, is playing. Now, right. people haven't been following the story. James Comer was on uh, John, with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby last night talking a little bit about what he's observed with respect to the Biden crime, the what he called the Biden crime family. That's his characterization. Yeah. This is what James Comer told John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby last night. You mentioned other countries, uh, obviously Romania, China. Those are the two countries we've already disclosed transactions. We're about to disclose transactions from Ukraine uh, as well as Russia. Uh, then they, the brother uh, that people forget about, Joe Biden has a brother, uh, that was a, a huge influence peddler. He dealt mainly in the Middle East. So you have uh, four or five countries in, in the Middle East that, that he influenced peddled on. And then there's also countries in, in Africa where Hunter Biden was actively involved in, in influence peddling and where Joe Biden was involved in foreign policy decisions. So uh, this was an organized family crime unit, essentially, uh, and and the business model was to profit off of Joe Biden's influence as vice president and future influence as president. You were actually with James Comer I, here in New York a few I hours was ago. About five feet away from him, hearing him talk to John Casamitidi's daughter, hosting this event where he was presenting about his views that you just heard with my dear friend Rita Cosby uh, and Mr. Casamitidis. And it was astounding because basically he was talking about this is indeed a crime family. And 
and that they have engaged in shell companies, mm. not the gas and mm. not the things that are on the beach. But he said many shell companies, one of which actually was set up like a law firm for Hunter Biden with one person, Hunter, wow. <laughs> as the person in the in the shell company and wiring money. You ready for this to prostitutes in Florida. I think we've all. I mean, it, uh, does that leave you a little speechless? Uh, it, it, it does indeed. I, I mean, come on. It, it, and to this, to a, a company, in fact, um, that uh, that actually deals with online sex and escorts. Do you think. I mean, this is astounding do, how they're getting away with it. Do you think that any of the things that James Comer is saying may actually stop Biden from being able to run for re-election? Well, they're going to they're gonna try. I said to him afterwards when I went up to talk to him, I said, are you really going to prevail? Do you think that you're going to get somewhere and make this stick? And he said, watch October and November. Wow. That, that was his prediction. So, wow, you heard it first. This is breaking news. Yeah, this is... Uh, totally. It's really, it's really going to be something, you know... He called it racketeering. One of the Do things... You know, I mean, does anybody who's listening know what racketeering is? Sure. I'm it's old like enough. gangsterism, essentially. Uh, well, for all kinds of crime and the RICO Act. So, that's he said, that's it. It's all about racketeering. One of the things that uh, can be kind of frustrating for a lot of people at times is it looks like there are so many politicians that try to throw their political adversaries into jail, right? It looks like uh, people are more concerned with uh, scoring some points with their own side by going after the other guys, and sometimes that leads to a little bit of an intellectual blind spot when it comes to looking at people in your own side. And sometimes people become a little jaded when a politician comes out and say, here it is. Here's the smoking gun. This person who I already don't agree with is corrupt. Now, what I think a lot of people are trying to figure out with with these with James Comer and these revelations is, is this real or is this politics? Well, he says he said tonight it's real. It is no joke and it is very serious and it deserves prosecution, and the big guy is the guy behind the whole thing. That's what he, what other people have been saying, and that's what he delivered and said that this is all about massive numbers of crimes and so many shell companies and it sounds that, like are, you, that are trickery. And you, it sounds like you found him pretty convincing. I found him very convincing. I, I, was, I was horrified, shocked. Well, I've been horrified, shocked all along that he's gotten a pass, a slide. Listen, I'm a psychologist. You don't go around saying that because my son had an addiction, he gets a pass on everything. Right. I'm I'm sympathetic to I've treated addicts. I've dealt with them for years and years and years as as a professional. You don't get a slide when it comes to crime. That's it. On to more upbeat news. There was a rather historic adoption on Monday of the first ever resolution for mental health in psychosocial support at the U.N. General Assembly. You're at the U.N. all the time. You're a United Nations NGO representative. And what I'm a- also the uh, the policy advisor to the ambassador of Sierra Leone to the United States. We just won the election, by the way. Congratulations. President B- oh, it was, it was as... As contentious in a way that we are, we have here with the Republicans and the Democrats, with the two parties there. But the president prevailed, thank goodness. Do, so, what does this actually mean when we say psychosocial huge. support? Okay, what's the? You what know what? That? You're now getting another breaking news. I just told you breaking news I about love James it. This Palmer. Is exciting. This is, the this place is to breaking be. news. This happened on Monday. The General Assembly came together. This is where all the countries of the world, 193 member states all sit in this huge room that people have probably seen on TV, and they vote about issues. So Mexico, think Mm. about it, Mexico was the one who presented this resolution, General Assembly Resolution it's called, which puts forth that the countries will agree that mental health and psychosocial support, which is related to well-being issues of you know, helping people who are in trouble mentally, 
in all ways with the disabilities and with anxieties and depression and all of those things that countries of the world are going to pay attention to services for people in need. This is huge. It's never before happened. I've been working on this for the 20 years I've been at the U.N., Ten years ago, the ambassador Palau and I put forth one, and he passed away, unfortunately. And now is the time. This is the time for mental health. I don't think there's anybody listening who hasn't felt nervous or stressed or depressed sometimes. And look what the statistics are showing now. Kids are poisoning themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This this is in the news right now. Uh, All the time. Right? Well, poisoning. We're not just talking about self-harm, you know, or thinking of shooting themselves or overdosing. This is poison. And it's just over the charts what is happening in terms of mental health. And so the country's decided. This is huge news. But one of the other things, though, Judy, people tend to get cynical about is the U.N. and what the value of some of these resolutions actually is. So when the U.N. General Assembly passes a resolution, does that actually mean anything's being done about it? Well, that's, you know, after the resolution is passed, this is what everybody says. And it's a call to action, which means all of you have to do something about it. And what, what is required? Money. The money for mental health is less than 2% of the budget Mm -hmm. usually. Well, that's peanuts. But the EU, now the European Union, just allocated billions of euros and uh, turning into dollars, billions of dollars, to about 20-plus mental health programs. So advances are being made. This is so big for everybody. But I know the the – criticisms of the UN and how it doesn't really have that much power, the Security Council, which is supposed to be about peace and security. And there's a real debate, by the way. So this got passed, which is huge. But what do you think was a contentious issue? Sec- as a sex therapist, sexual and reproductive health. Hmm. So all the GCCs, which are the Arab countries, uh, represented in what this meeting GCCs? by Oman... What are GCCs? Well, that's related to all the Arab regions. I see. Okay. Right. So uh, they all uh, had to say, okay, we're going along with this. We agree, but we do not agree with the sexual health and Mm. reproductive rights that is in that that resolution and in the agenda also. But you can tell why. You know, they're not going to agree about that. And then you you had one of the Central American countries saying, you know, we don't go for abortion. That's against our national sovereignty. So it's not like people didn't disagree. And Venezuela didn't agree with the resolution in some ways. They didn't agree with sanctions. So what do you think of the countries that didn't agree with sanctions? Guess who they are. Right. Venezuela, Russia, yeah, Iran, there you go. Syria. Ah, there you go. Yeah, there you All go. right. right. Uh, yeah, only yeah, natural. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I also, we, we've been talking with Dr. Judy Kuriansky. You can learn more about her. Check out some of her books at drjudy.com, drjudy.com. Also want to bring in someone who is so tan they make me look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, Marlena Shivo, veteran media producer, satirist, social critic, frequent contributor to this program. Hello, Marlena. Hi. How are you, Frank? We're doing wonderfully. We're doing wonderfully. Um, you, you are looking quite tan today. You've been spending a lot of time at the oh, beach. You're so you're noticing that because you look tan. Well, uh, well, <laughs> that's how the tan um, people have uh, a fraternity. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I I've been outside a lot as much as po- humanly possible, but um, and I live by the beach. So yeah, I ran to the beach when I had the opportunity today. It was later in the day, but the sun came out, and yeah, by the time um, by the time you know August comes, I will be. Many, many shades darker. Right. You'd be uh, probably darker than Eric Adams, which uh, that leads us to our next subject. That was actually about to come out of my mouth, but I thought it was no, going to be racist. I know. It, it might ha- be a little racist. <laughs> but you know what? The mayor has a sense of humor about that kind of a thing, so uh, I have no qualms about mentioning that. Eric Adams um, launched a big initiative this week. Honestly, I don't think of all the other people that ran for mayor in 2021, whether it's my friend Curtis Sliwa or Fernando oh, yeah. Mateo or yeah. Andrew Yang or Maya oh, Wiley or Catherine Garcia, yeah. I can't see anyone uh, launching the initiative that he launched this week. For better or worse, it has to do with mindful breathing in schools. This is what the mayor of New York City had to say a couple of days ago as he was talking about this. It is going to give them a tool 
that they can use for the rest of their lives. And the simplicity of it is just breathing. If you choose not to do the breathing exercise, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Eventually, over time, you'll find your way. But we want to make sure that we build it into our everyday process of education. Some people are saying that this is not where the mayor's focus in terms of education should be. Some people are saying we should work on, I don't know, security in schools, maybe things like math, reading, getting those test scores up. And then we can deal with with breathing. Marlena, I, I know you have two children, albeit not in the New York City public school system. What do you think of the mayor making mindful breathing in schools a priority? Well, you know, I mean, as someone who identifies as a breather... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I think it's ridiculous. I think he's ridiculous. I think he's a terrible mayor. Um, I, I, I'm not as focused on, um, the meditation in schools as I am the fact that, um, uh, there's, I can't have coal oven pizza come, you know, in the, in the next, like coming soon or, or I'm going to just have like microwave pizza or something in the city. But, um, I think that, um, you know, this is the same guy who was going to put uh, migrants in in gymnasiums in schools. So I just don't think his uh, his skills, even though God told him that he was going to be a mayor twenty years, you know, twenty years before he was thirty. Yeah, thirty years or ago, thirty years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think he has the skill set. Um, I think he's more of a, a celebrity mayor, and I think that. So saying something like meditation and breathing in schools is uh, very on trend, you know, because this is if you think about Google and you think about all these corporations who have, you know, these rooms where you can take a nap during the day. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are you might. I wonder how you feel, Dr. Judy. I'm disagreeing with you uh, because I think if kids learn how to relax and that comes from breathing. So let's all do it now. Everybody breathe in. Hold it for a few minutes. Ready? And out through your mouth. <sighs> that was a few seconds. They do know how to break. breathe. They know how to breathe. They know how to vape in and <laughs> vape well, out. Okay, then let them do that without the stuff associated with it. Now, listen, it's certainly not going to change a lot of violence. But if kids learn how to relax, I think that's fantastic. Now, there has to be taught in a context. That's my problem about it. First of all, he said two to five minutes. How many minutes is it? Two or five? And the kids have to be taught, really, that this is a context of relaxing. And their mind, they, thoughts need to come to their head. They need to then let the thoughts come and let the thoughts go. You can't just say, oh, we're going to breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your mouth. That's very. So you think this is a step in the right direction? It's a though. step in the right. Direction. And and you think, yes. Marlena, that this is? It sounds like you think Hooey. it's silly. I don't think it. I don't think it's silly. I mean, I'm someone who takes yoga, but oh, I, there I, you it, go. You can't possibly uh, then criticize it if you do yoga. Well, you're moving. Then then the next step is to teach the kids yoga. Well. Okay, I would actually start with yoga because I think that the kids are too sedentary with the games and, and all the virtual life. I think they need to be taught how to live um, like an actual life and ride bikes and, and do all of this now in the city. It's a little bit different, but I, I think that um, in terms of stress, and I know this is a stress reliever for me, is sweating and moving and, and doing something that like not only exercises your – well, exercise – you need to exercise your mindfulness, sure, but I think you need to exercise your body because that does release I, endorphins. I, I agree with you there, and, and you're making me think that, frankly, for aggressive kids who have a buildup of too much adrenaline right. and they're ready to, like, shoot somebody or knife somebody. Literally. Yeah, then they need Or poison boxing. somebody. <laughs> They need to go into a a room and slam on pillows and box because that's how they're going to get their overdrive of energy out. That's what I think he should be doing because if he's talking about violent kids, they're not really going to meditate. Uh, Judy Kuransky, but they will punch things, Judy and I think that will here. help and, that they uh, get it out. Judy Kuransky's here, as is Marlena Shivo. Marlena, I alluded to the fact that you have two daughters and you mentioned that you identify as a breather 
Those two issues came and a breeder apparently. <laughs> those two issues came to a head recently for you with respect to a school trip your daughters were on and masking. Tell us what happened. This is so absurd. Okay, so we're in the year 2023, right? So my my nine year old kidding? Boy, I slept longer <laughs> than I thought. You know what? I I you know I feel like I should remind people of that and uh, and they went on a school trip in May and they went to uh, like. Three museums in in Trenton, New Jersey or something. Uh, And so the first two, they went in, they came out. The last one, they were wearing masks. And I didn't know that they were wearing masks until I saw the pictures come out from the school trip. So I wrote to the teachers and I said, um, I had no idea masks would be involved in this trip. Um. If I had known, uh, Rebel would not have – that's my daughter – would not have uh, been able to participate. Can you tell me if any of this information was in the the, um, permission form? Because I don't recall it. It was a piece of paper that I signed a month ago. Anyway, so they came back. They were (sighs) – Definitely defensive, but not in an, in a, in a, in a, in nasty way. They were just like we didn't know. They was more like worried. There, one woman said that uh, one of the teachers said that she had no idea. She combed, combed through all the paperwork, but what had happened was they went into this third place. The woman said, Do "You guys have your masks," and she's like, oh, "We don't have anything. We didn't know." And she's like, "Oh, it was in the paperwork." And so she hands her a box box of masks, and and her decision was. Well, we're already here and I want them to see this thing. So I'm going to, you know, offer them these masks and, you know, and then the other teacher chimes in and says, well, if no one wanted to wear one, they could have sat out and we would have sat out with them. And my response was, you don't have permission to mask my child, Mm. period. And for people that are listening and they say they think, okay, what's the big deal if your child has to wear a mask for a little while for a school trip? What do you say to those folks? You don't have permission to mask my child. I think that I thought the masks were ridiculous back in the day. I fought them when they were the, quote, mandate. Um, And now that they're gone, there's no law that says you have to put a mask on my child or me or anybody else, but my child. And you don't have permission to do it. And I said to uh, the teacher, no child is actually going – I mean, I'm a mother of two and I'm not an expert in child – you know, in in, in, uh, early childhood development, right? But I know that no child is going to raise their hand and go against what they perceive as the rules because they – it's counterintuitive to what they are taught, which is to follow the rules, right? And then their peers are all going in and they're going to want to go. I mean – as much as my daughter is named Rebel, she's not actually a rebel. Right. You know, um, she's a nine-year-old. So they all just kind of did it. And she said they were all kind of grunting about it, but they still went along with it. They still complied. And so it just it, – it bothered me. Plus, I just thought, why, why would this place even require this at this stage of the game? I go into a dentist's office. I go into my doctor's office, maskless. So do my children. Uh, Judy, what are your thoughts on this? How um, the, her daughter's school handled this and just the the issue of masking and the resistance that a lot of parents would have to masking your child in general? Well, I mean, the days of masks have passed, really. So I, I don't know why we're really like belaboring the whole issue. I don't see many people wearing masks. I go to the theater a lot. Well, people weren't going to the theater and shows closed mm-hmm. because they were so afraid. But now the theaters are packed and and there's only one person, my friend Carol Ostro, who was wearing a mask when I went to see Six the other day. So, I mean, that's it's well, that's it's what. Like, and, and so what you're saying is it's optional, right? Obviously, everyone has an option to wear whatever they want on their bodies. But, um, you know, to to. You don't, but you don't have the option to tell my child that she has to put a mask on. It is not a law. That was my. Th- we're past this point, like you said. We're past right, it. So right. It was weird. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Ladies' night, Women Wednesday. However you prefer <laughs> to uh, refer to it, we are taking calls from women and those who identify as women at eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. This is the other side of midnight. Doctor Judy Kuriansky is here. Marlena Shivo is here. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
side of midnight with Frank Morano. Frank Morano, uh, Women Wednesday with Marlena Shivo, veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic, and Dr. Dr. Judy Kuriansky, who, among her many claims to fame, is an internationally known clinical psychologist, a humanitarian, an author, uh, United Nations NGO representative, and a newspaper columnist. Great to have you both here in studio. I want to run this story by you because I, I found this very odd. But I'm wondering if behavior like this is more common than I may realize. There's this this terrific singer, Pink. She's oh, one yeah. of the biggest stars in the world. And I, I actually really like many of her songs. I like her okay. her music. And she was performing live at a concert. And apparently, and there's now this video circulating online of her picking up ashes. Somebody threw the ashes of their mother on the stage with with Pink, and I, I have to wonder if this is how the person whose ashes this was wanted to be remembered, <laughs> to have their ashes scattered on stage and uh, essentially been been the subject of all sorts of internet scorn. This concert goer throwing ashes of a person at Pink during a performance. Dr. Judy, where do you come down on this? I the the person could whose ashes were thrown might be a pink fan. This is entirely possible, and if this is a uh, an emotional thing that the 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 thrower uh, felt was honoring the ashes, then what what can you really say about it? What's the difference between throwing them in the ocean? And uh, and at some event with where there is a lot of energy and a, a lot of attention and a connection to a person, Pink is very dynamic, hangs upside down, does all these like right. wild and crazy things. So I think there is an emotional kind of energetic action there. That I don't condemn. I know a lot of people do. But do you think now that this has gotten so much publicity and we're talking about it, that this could lead to people throwing ashes at musicians all over the country, maybe even all over the world? And is that what we want? People uh, performing well, with ashes they, thrown at them. Oh, come on. But, you know, if you if people used to throw their bra. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. And, but and, you know, uh, if you ever went to concerts, which I did, and ho- as you know, hosted many of them because being uh, then after WABC on Z one hundred and and hosting concerts of fifty thousand people with all kinds of bands uh, playing, people would throw all sorts of things. And going to uh, concerts, even in England, where people threw their excrement on the stage. Ew. Wow. Oh, well, yeah. I, I strongly disapprove I mean, of that. It sounds more like San Francisco. They're, they're liquid and they're solid excrement. That's uh, disgusting. So, I mean, that's I, a lot different I know, than somebody's you, ashes. You've been to a few concerts in your day, oh, Marlena. Please. Did you ever throw ashes of a, a loved one at the performer of your choice? No, I think I've thrown up, but I've never um, thrown anything on stage, and I've never like tried to run a stage. Like I don't, I don't know. Some people just are really, really, really into their musicians, and um, maybe I mean it. Sounded like it was this person's mother, right? I I, I think this is and, bizarre. And, and you know, if that, it, what what if her? I mean, it sounds like her mother wanted that, so I, she right followed I, through I'm with sure, it. Let's I, say I, she did. Let's say she did. Do we really want to create a situation 
where everyone that when they're when they're gone, they pro- provide in their will. Please throw my ashes at a Justin Bieber at Justin Bieber when he's performing. Please scatter my ashes at Rolling Stones concert. I, I mean, I don't All think right, it's fine, a good Frank, thing. I'm not going to have anybody scatter my ashes on your lawn. <laughs> well, the lawn is one thing. As long as I'm not on it at the time, it's different. You know, you know, I'm going to have, have, have somebody come here and throw it at you while you're on air. What will <laughs> happen is that ultimately they will put up some sort of plastic that will separate them in order to prevent that from continually happening. Well, you see, that would have stopped what happened yesterday because uh, Pink accepted another unorthodox present from a fan yesterday. This one is much more my speed. And uh, a fan presented her with a large wheel of brie cheese. (laughs) Now, it, it didn't say if it was triple cream brie or what kind of brie it was, but... If I'm performing somewhere and somebody gives me a, a giant block of cheese, I think that's just beautiful. Do you prefer the block of cheese or a case of tab? Oh, well, tab goes for, if you could find tab now, it goes for $200 a case. So I'll take the tab. You know, it's a wonderful thing to give gifts to the the people that sure. you admire. Um, but be, not having been Well, you're now talking about, you know, brie, a wheel of of cheese. I got a lot of gifts when I was on the radio and and when there was such a huge group of young people and they would give me all kinds of things. Actually, a lot of stuffed animals because that was sweet, but paintings and amulets and being asked to sign a breast here and there and, you know. <laughs> Just a breast. <laughs> that she's saying. So, uh, you know, this is like a, a way of really connecting. And uh, right now, I think people really need to connect. I, I'm so distressed about what's going on. I want everybody to throw away their their e- emojis and their phones and learn how to talk to people. Learn how to express your love. Learn how to say I love you in a lot of romantic ways. People have lost that ability now. And so whatever they're doing is a way to connect. And I'm sympathetic to that. All right. Fair enough. A lot of ladies have questions for the two of you. 800-848-9222. Marlena Shivo is here. Dr. Judy Kuriansky is here. Let's begin with Mary Beth on Long Island. Hello, Mary Beth. Hi. Um, this is a great idea. And these two ladies are doing a phenomenal job. Agreed. It's really nice Agreed. to hear their voices this morning. Um, I, I compliment you all. Um, Marlena, That's very I wish sweet. I had, uh, That's well, very well, sweet. I, I want to interrupt you for one moment to just acknowledge that what you said and what you just did is part of what I'm talking about, is that people will feel connection when they acknowledge each other. When you say something nice, of course, genuinely, when you see somebody, when you meet somebody, I want everybody who's listening to do that. That's my piece of advice for the night. What you just did. Thank you. And it's very good advice. And um, one thing that I've always taught my children, if someone holds a door for you going into a store, don't just look into dead air and say thank you. Look at them. Oh, I because love this woman. That, that's a connection. Ooh. And you're right. Um, we all need to connect with one another far better <laughs> than a lot of us are doing. Well, that's beautiful. That is called the eye lock. So when you mentioned, Frank, about my books, I did write The Complete Idiot's Guide to Tantric Sex. And that is about connection. You don't have to have the genitals connect. It's called connecting with your energy and your eyes. The eye lock. It's just what she was talking about, looking in the eyes and behind the eyes and really connecting to somebody. Mm. And breathing, by the way, get back to Eric Adams and Mayor Adams, you know, teaching kids to breathe, learning how to breathe because people don't breathe when they're talking to people because Mm. they're holding their breath and being anxious. Uh, Mary Beth, did you have uh, another question, though? Yes, I did. And Marlena, I wish I had known about your daughter's name before I sent an article in. Um, I'm I'm a freelance writer, and I did an article for a foreign publication about, you know, the importance of naming our children and why people choose certain names for their children. And I love your daughter's name, but I'm wondering, and it was interesting, you said, about the mask, like she's not rebellious, although her name is Rebel. Um, do you care to 
um, say why you chose to name her that. And does she like her name? Yeah, she does. Um, so it was funny the moment she realized her name was actually a word that had meaning. That was I'll never forget that moment when we were driving in the car. Um, and uh, and there were workers that were cleaning up this like this road work. And she's like, oh, mommy, you can't go there. And I'm like, no, no, they're done. And she's like, but there's signs still up. I'm like, I'll just go around it. And she's like, but you, can you do that? I said, mommy's a rebel. And she, her mm-hmm. eyes lit up. Mm-hmm. And then she made the connection. But um, the reason I chose her name was not so that she would be a lawbreaker. Um, but I just kind of I wanted her to be uh, my idea was that, you know, just just listen to your own voice in your head. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't you know drown out the noise. Um, don't worry, you know, just kind of be, go against the grain if that's what feels natural to you in terms of what you want to do and who you want to be. And, you know, just don't be a follower, (laughs) you know, just be an independent. And she actually, that part of her is a rebel. She is, um, actually every bit of that end of it. She's, um, she's sweet. She's gregarious. She'll talk Mm -hmm. to anybody. Even when she was even, I mean, she's only nine now, but before that she'll, she, she could sit in this room with us and and carry a conversation with you, Dr. Judy, for an hour. Um, you know, she's, it was, it's almost to a fault because I don't really want her, you know, just talking to anybody, (laughs) but the fact that she, um, I don't know. She just, she'll, she'll play with anybody. She's not, you know, she's just, she's just, she just has like this uh, energy about her That's that terrific. is going to take her places. That's terrific. So she is a rebel. Mary Beth, thanks. Great call. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Helen is in Connecticut. Hello, Helen. Hello there. Um, nice to speak with you again, Frank. Thank you. So I, you're welcome. And I'm, um, I'm up past my bedtime, but I just couldn't help myself. I needed to listen to your show. Very nice. So, That's wonderful, I, Helen. Well, I don't know. You may not like my next comment. It may not be so wonderful. So I want to ask Dr. Judy, are there any limits? Because the thing with the ashes really got me going. Now, I have received many gifts, and I'm going to speak specifically as an educator during the time that I was. I acknowledged it. It touched me. It... Um, I have a couple of them, as a matter of fact, decades Mm. later, Mm -hmm. displayed. Mm. But I think that as an educator or, um, I mean, you're a psychiatrist, um, are there any limits? I mean, when you're throwing ashes on the stage or a cheese on the stage, I mean, what's next? A bag of poop? I mean... I, I really, you know, I, I wonder in our society, and I'm all for love, and I'm all for, you know, acknowledging people. I was lost yesterday um, in Manhattan, and I uh, stopped a, pass, a passerby with my voice, and the man ignored me. And a woman, who I did not ask, turned around and said, may I help you? Mm. And I said, gosh, you know, and she did. And I said, that was really kind. And then we went on our way. So it's not as if I don't acknowledge people or that I don't speak with people. But I have to disagree with the fact that I think that societally that there should be limits. And I think no matter whether this person was a big fan of pink or not, um, I, I really think that that was you know, a signal that anything goes and that we have no limits. And I disagree with that. Nice to hear your opinion. We're all entitled to different opinions. And Helen, you've got a I'm a wonderful experience that I'm focusing on that you were in need and someone came to your help. What a beautiful experience that is. And pass it on. Uh, thank you, Ellen, for the call and for the feedback. Any, anything that you look like you were going to say something? Oh Maria. no, you know, just the whole idea of connecting, though. That it's a, it's a, it's interesting because I think in 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 a place like New York City, it's really hard. You can get in your own head, and if you're here long enough, and I guess it depends on what type of person you are. But for the most part, I I even kind of go back to that mode when I'm in the city, where I just am eyes forward and I'm not really acknowledging people around me. However, when I moved out of the city. It took me a good two years 
to get used to people smiling and saying hello, even if they didn't know you. And and then I, I, I had to actually tell myself, like, here's a person walking down the street. And I'm so used to just eyes forward, not, you know, looking at them. And they would wave. And, and I would in the beginning, I remember thinking, I don't even know you. But then I'm like, oh, this is what they do. This is how this world is over here. So I'm like, oh, here comes a person. Say good morning. And now I don't have to say that to myself anymore. But it takes practice mm-hmm. to start acknowledging people who are around you. Do, do you think, think some of this is uh, generational? And do you think younger folks oh, yeah. have a more difficult time Absolutely. with a direct person I get into person my elevator. Connection? And I some and there are young kids who moved in on my floor, and I say hello, and I get no answer, because the guys this is several of them they're they're looking on the phone, mm-hmm. and that's it. We get into the elevator, go all the way down, not a peep, just the phone the whole time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just uh, I, so I go to the doorman and I say, well, is this what's going on here? This is terrible. I said, yep. This is what's happening. The young kids are coming down the elevator, looking at their phone. Don't even say hello to the doorman. He opens the door. Uh, it's it's just terrible. Smiling at people is very important. And the thing is about smiling. I'm going to smile at you. Ah, you smile back. Naturally. You see, you have to do it. Ah, I'm going to smile no, at you. Yeah. You had to do it. This is a reaction. So when you smile, it is impossible for the person not to smile back. And like you said before, which is really brilliant, that it releases endorphins when you smile. And if you're feeling miserable, you should look in the mirror, change that face, make a forced smile. It will become more natural. You will trigger more endorphins and you'll feel happier. This is one of the ways to deal with depression. One of the things that I wonder about, uh, Marlena, as a parent myself, a new parent, is how much this concern about screen times, the screen time and things of that nature is is real and how much of it is one generation always lamenting the new technology that the next generation is fond of. I came across an article from the 40s two weeks ago which had parents' groups decrying the junk radio shows that children were listening to and how horrible that was. 15 years later, 20 years later, I'm sure the same thing could be said of television. 20 years after that, I'm sure the same thing could be said of music videos. And now it seems like the same thing is said of mobile phones and social media and things of that nature. How much of this is just the natural cycle of things and how much is it a real concern? I I can't give you percentages, and I do think part of it is true of what you're saying, and like every generation does lament the next thing. However, with technology that we have now, um, the kids can connect with – it's more of a danger, actually, to to, to have them on games that they're addicted to. And like if you pull it away from them, they they actually have a negative reaction that they can't even help. It's not even bad behavior. It's actually an addiction – and they can connect to other people that you don't even know who they're talking to and you don't know who the people are on the other side. So I don't know. I, I think it it's uh, it's not so great. But I'm in a conundrum because I'm a media person mm-hmm. and I do I do I do digital content and and I put my kids in it and and mostly rebel. Now at Harley's getting now that she's getting older, she's she's getting into them. And so. Just today, Rebel said to me, what's the next thing? What's our next video? Like, do we do you have a script yet? Like, and so so I'm putting her in this world of like get being on YouTube or, do, you know, being on social media. But it, I control the whole thing. Um, but it's also a way that we connect and do stuff together. It's just sort of like the nature of our, you know, that's just our culture. Uh, we're going to pause right there. People have questions or comments for Marlena Shivo or Dr. Judy Kuriansky. You can call in 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. A good group of women to ask advice of as well, if anybody's in need of advice. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. That is Pink. In between getting ashes and breathe, Roniter. She still finds the time to make music from now now from time to time. Uh, Marlena Shivo is in studio. Uh, she is a veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic. Regular contributor to this program. As is Dr. Judy Kuriansky, author, clinical psychologist, humanitarian, uh, and uh, United Nations NGO representative. Uh, we're going to take your calls in a moment, 800-848-9222. Let me ask both of you ladies something. There's a, an understood rule here at the radio station that if you put something in the refrigerator and it's not labeled with your name on it or some marking with your initials, then that is up for grabs. It's assumed that it can be consumed by anybody. Now, I was looking right before the show. I don't know if it's still there, but I'm going to check this out at 3 o'clock. There is a beautiful dish of salmon avocado toast or something along those lines. It looks like it was pretty pricey. No label on the dish. Now, should those of us that are interested in eating this particular dish, should we eat it because that's the laws of the land that we adhere to here? Or because this does look like it was kind of a pricey meal, wait and see if anybody claims it and then... Maybe wait until tomorrow to see if it's still here unlabeled. But by tomorrow, it may be too late. I think what do you, you think? should put a note on it that says, is this up for grabs? Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah, yes, but by the course. time you get an answer, it may not taste so good. I so- will take a picture and uh, and then leave the note and say, can you, if this is gone tomorrow, can you bring it again? So, or what if, I, what if I put a post-it note on there saying, is this up for grabs? And then the person responds right. and says yes. But then let's say someone else consumes it by before tomorrow. Then I would have missed my opportunity when it was up for grabs. You know what? You could be really underhanded and put a note on it and say, this is up for grabs and then eat it. And then <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. Or I could just Type put my it, own name on so it so no one, else, no one else takes it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, let me ask both of you also about this, and we're going to get to your calls in a second, 800-848-9222. There was always a lot of interest in the uh, Jeffrey Epstein case. Oh, interesting interesting um, report out this week, and the inspector general of the Justice Department, the Justice Department watchdog, blamed his suicide on jail guard negligence and misconduct. There's still a lot of people that believe there's something more to it than this. Curious what you both think about this. Oh, come on. There's you, so much cover-up of of the Biden family. You don't think there's cover-up of Jeffrey Epstein? Well, I think it's very possible. Come on. There's so many people 
who have been involved with him, who've taken advantage of his plane and his goodies that he offered, that uh, he had to go before he he spoke. It's pretty clear. It's pretty evident. Why were the guards not there? What's the the marks on his neck? Come on. He was murdered. What do you and think, that's it. Uh, are we still debating whether or not he was murdered? Well, murdered or the, the inspector general's report in general? Well, whatever. Any aspect of that you want to comment on? Garbage. I mean, I just think that, um, well, yeah, he was he's, he was murdered. I, I He was absolutely murdered. I, I agree with you. I, he did not commit suicide. But um, what I'd like to know is um, why why is it that we can't get a hand, like any like any information on the list, the list of people that were involved. Because it's like the deep state. They have too much money, too much power. But if, so but if much Donald Trump can wave around a document that says right, plans we were to gonna attack, attack Iran, Iran, yeah. Iran and he's Donald Trump he can't, he couldn't get a hand i mean this was like 2019 right when he that he got killed uh, yeah, epstein when you say the list when the list of people who were involved you mean people that would be visiting epstein's island yeah, and I doing kind of, that I'm sort of thing i'm going on a little yeah gotcha. it's like cuz you know Ghislaine maxwell's still alive right. right and it's like she 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 must she knows. She knows. She has the knows. What do you mean? She was part of it. She was part well, of it. A lot of people. Right. I she was securing the girls. Look, she was uh, going out to clubs and and picking them up. Jelaine right. Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, who was Jeffrey Epstein's mentor, we know did work with intelligence agencies in multiple different countries. Right. And I wouldn't and be shocked if, too. if Jeffrey Epstein did the same thing. Uh, meaning I... was working with some of those same upper echelon intelligence agencies, both in the United States and in Israel. Of, of, of course. But that's not reflected in this report. All right. We'll squeeze yeah. in a couple of more um, callers for you guys. Ellie is in New Jersey. Ellie, you're here with Dr. Judy Kuriansky and Marlena Shivo. Hello. Hi, Frank. And hi, Dr. Judy and Marlena. Um, I will just want to ask about what you said, Frank, in the beginning, that you're taking calls from women and people who identify as women. Right. I'm guessing and you're the latter. It seemed it seemed uh, repetitive to me. I mean, you can only identify as a woman if you are a woman. It, it was sort of funny to me what you meant by that. And, well, you know, you bring up a good question, Ellie. Where do you guys come down on the issue of gender at birth versus gender identification? We have listeners who consider themselves transgender and they identify as a gender other than the one they were born at. Now, my view was always... That if you go through a surgical procedure, okay, I'll, I'll go along with identifying whatever your new gender is. But if you're just going to decide you wake up one day and say, I'm now a man when you still have the anatomical parts of a woman, I don't know that you can just change that like you would your political party. Where do you guys come down on this? Well, I was the first one actually to be working with a uh – uh, the first surgeon in New York who was doing those uh, operations, and they had to go through a two years, two years of really self-examination. I was the psychologist who had talked to many, many of them had to really uh, explore their emotions. What is it that a woman gets to do that a man can't do. People open their doors. You can marry a guy and, you know, make $36 million in the divorce. Only have about 30 seconds here, Marlena. Give me a quick uh, quick. I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I think there's a percentage of the population who who obviously have uh, gender uh, dysmorphia. What is it called? De- gender dysmorphia? Is that what it is? But um, I think that it's gotten out of hand and it's being abused. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening. Your influence counts. Use it.